Will you turn with me again tonight to 1 Peter? Again, chapter 1. 1 Peter, chapter 1. We'll read just a portion of it again tonight. We'll start at verse 13. We'll end at 21. Although it's hard to stop. (laughs) It's so rich. Shall we stand together again tonight for the reading of God's word and in honor of it? And as you stand, let's pray again. Father, would you help us tonight hear you speak as your word is written. May you be pleased to have the power of your Holy Spirit in our midst, blessing us with open ears and open hearts, obedient minds, we pray in Jesus' name, amen. All right, 1 Peter 1, verse 13, starts out with the word therefore, which of course means that everything we've just talked about now, okay, now what are we going to do with it? So here it is, therefore. Preparing your minds for action and being sober-minded, set your hope fully on the grace that will be brought to you at the revelation of Jesus Christ. As obedient children, do not be conformed to the passions of your former ignorance, but as he who called you is holy, you also be holy. In all your conduct, since it is written, you shall be holy, for I am holy. And if you call on him as father who judges impartially according to each one's deeds, and conduct yourselves with fear throughout the time of your exile, knowing that you were ransomed from the feudal ways inherited from your forefathers, Not with perishable things such as silver or gold, but with the precious blood of Christ, like that of a lamb without blemish or spot. He was foreknown before the foundation of the world, but was made manifest in the last times for the sake of you, who through him are believers in God, who raised him from the dead and gave him glory so that your faith and hope are in God. The word of the Lord to us tonight. Please be seated. Thank you. All right, let's just review a little bit here this this evening, just quickly. In in this letter, Peter, right, he's he's been writing now to believers who he calls elect exiles. Now, of course, we know that God is the one who's done the the electing, Ephesians tells us, before the foundation of the, of the world, he elected us, and that ought to uh, astound us. I hope there isn't any of us tonight that think, well, <laughs> of course, of course he elected me. I'm a great guy. <laughs> no, you're not. It ought to, it ought to just shock us amaze us and drive us into worship that we think God has elected me. What a thought. But what a truth for us to 
gets settled in our hearts. That he who believes in the Lord Jesus Christ does so because first the Holy Spirit came and gave to us faith that we might believe. It's always God first. It's always God first, right? And so this is who he's writing to, Christians. I trust that tonight that is who we are, and so we need to receive it as God's word to his people, as, as the Father's word to his children who has pitied us. Amen? And, and we see that these Christians have been dispersed, in this case, to all these different towns, Pontus, Galatia, Cappadocia, Asia, Bithynia, so all this area, uh, and, and they've been exiled. They, could it be that they were literally moved out of their homes, perhaps even from Rome itself, and cast out? Or is this the dispersion that, that Peter is talking about that started almost at the very beginning? Was You remember when Stephen, that great deacon, preached that sermon, and, and all that persecution came upon the church, led largely by Paul himself, then known as Saul? Well, it, it could be all of that and, and, and more. But certainly at this time, Rome is being lit by the flesh of Christians burning in his garden. You can want to think about that for a moment. Perhaps not. So here we are. Paul, it could be translated exiles as foreigners. Perhaps that's what your text says tonight. I don't know your translation. But it might be that you're a foreigner. That's, that's how we're to see ourselves. Foreigners from this, from this world. This is not our home. This is not our home, Christian, right? We get that, don't we? Well, look, can I just remind you of that again tonight? This is not your home. This is not where you're staying. This is, it's not going to last, is it? One more gray hairs I got on my head, the more I'm realizing it's coming closer than I think. We're moving from that time when God caused us to be born again in verse 3. We saw that. We're, move, we're on the move. We're moving to that time when we will behold him face to face in all of his glory. And for some of us, that might be a whole lot sooner than we think. Maybe tonight. I don't, I don't know. Right? right? But it does not, not excite you. But we're not moving from this time of being born again to just heaven. May I carefully say something to you tonight? Uh, sometimes I think we've made a little too much of heaven. You know what I mean by that? heaven's a holding ground for our soul while we're waiting for the return of the Lord Jesus Christ. This, heaven is not our ultimate home either. What's our ultimate home? Right back here on this, on this new earth. You think today was beautiful? What's it going to be like on the new earth when mosquitoes don't bite you anymore? Is this going to be good? I mean, it's, it's beyond our mind to fathom how it will be to associate with one another on the new earth without a sin nature, without any envy, without any greed, without any uh, sinful desires, sexual immorality. It's, uh, what will that be like? I don't know that I can get my arms around that. But it's good, isn't it? That's what we're talking about when we talk about hope. So blessed be the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, according to his great mercy, has caused us to be born again. So we saw this morning a list of several blessings or several positions that we are in as Christians. Recently I had a conversation with a man who had been a Christian for some time. But he said to me, Dave, I'll tell you the truth. I don't always understand this. I don't always get this. What is it, 
what are the blessings of being a Christian? What, what are the benefits? He put it that way. He's a businessman. Okay, let's get to the bottom line. You know, we sat down and we went through the book of uh, uh, Ephesians 1 and just listed all the benefits. Redeemed, we sang that tonight, redeemed by the blood of the Lamb. There's one. We went through Romans 8 and listed a whole bunch of them. And we went through 1 Peter 1 and we listed some of them. And so here, here they are. We saw this morning, we're born again to a living hope. Through the resurrection of Jesus Christ, we have that power dwelling within us now to an inheritance that was described as imperishable, undefiled, unfading. The inheritance that, that we have waiting for us is guarded now in heaven. Wow. I, I saw a documentary one time on, on Fort Knox and how it's guarded. Well, it doesn't hold a candle to how it's, your inheritance is guarded in heaven. Wow. To the salvation of our souls. Just, just to name some of the blessings we saw this morning. All these blessings that, we're, that we are now have living in this hope. And so now we come, verse 13, to the word, right? We saw it, therefore. Therefore, because of that, I want to show you tonight three commands that are given here in this text. So if you're, if you're taking notes, uh, I want to set before you three commands that are given to us in verses 13 to 21. Now, now uh, there's, there's more than these, but I'll give you three of the big ones, all right? Here's the first one. Here's the first command. It's in verse 13. Set your hope. So if, if you've got your Bible open, you might want to circle that or you want to jot that down. That's the first command. So here's, here's Peter now writing after 30 years of following the Lord Jesus Christ by faith on the earth, waiting to behold him again in all of his glory. And he's writing this letter, and he comes with this first command. Here's the first thing Peter wants us to be doing, and he says, set your hope. You've got hope. I want you to set it. I don't want you to go get hope, because you already got hope. That's in verse 3. God's caused us to be born again to a living hope. You've got hope. Many times we think to ourselves, no, I don't. I've got nothing but despair and trouble. Drudgery and diapers. That's what I got right now. I got trouble. No. Wait. Hold it. So Peter comes to us. So here's the first command. Set your hope. Got that one? Second command. It's in verse 15. I have it circled in my Bible. Be holy. That's a great command for a teenager. It's a great command for an old man like me. You want to be something? Here's what we're to be. Holy. This is what I am to be. The first one, this is what I am to do, set your hope. But now the second command, Peter just is, again, he's just pouring this out on us. Be holy. Listen, if you're going to travel on this exile, and you're going to travel from being born again to beholding the beauty of your Savior, you're not going to get there unless you're holy. Wow, that's sobering, isn't it? I mean, that's a sobering command. You want me to be what? Yeah, holy. Uh, okay, how holy? Like 80%? What? What? No, like God, 
You say, what? This is impossible, right? Here's another command in the scriptures that's impossible for us to keep apart from God doing it in our life. Amen? Third command. It's in verse 17. This is what I am to reflect. And the word is fear. Conduct, verse 17, conduct yourselves with fear. If you call on him as father who judges impartially according to each one's deeds, see, this is what fueling my fear is the judgment seat of my father. <laughs> Did you ever have that? I remember when I was a kid, right? Oh, boy, I was in trouble. And I pulled in the driveway and, oh, boy, dad's home. <laughs> I wish dad wasn't home because I feared his discipline. And so here, Peter is saying to us, fear, fear, be frightened, be oh so careful, because we are not talking about this trivial God that's talked about in in, in politics and in in the media and, and, and whatever, right? We're talking about this holy, awesome God that when Moses stood on the mountain, he shook the thing. This is the God we serve. This is the God we just spoke to in our prayer a minute ago. He's to be feared. So those are three commands, all right? So that's what we just want to spend a couple of minutes on tonight. First of all, number one, set your hope. This is what I am to do. Um, This is the realm of my attitude, hope, a hopeful person. Now let's look at it very carefully, verse 13. Therefore, preparing your minds for action and being sober-minded. Okay, so he's talking to our head now. What are we saying in our head? What are we preaching to ourselves driving down the road? What are we saying to ourselves? Is it biblical or is it actually satanic seeking to put us down are we preaching to ourselves the gospel are we preparing our minds to hear god's word being sober-minded here it is set your hope you've got hope so now set it now what is this word set what is that what does that mean set uh well here we are in michigan right i don't know what the code is up here in uh in this northern country but down in down in the southern area of grand rapids when you dig a hole to put a post down in for your deck, do you know what the code is? How deep do you got to go? Four feet. Oh, it's, Grand Rapids is 42 inches. See up here, you get a little colder frost base, I guess. I don't know. You got you to six more inches. So no, four, okay, so what's the point? If you don't set that post down deep, What's the frost going to do to that deck? And I know this for a fact because when I was really a young man and my wife and I bought our first house, I built the deck. And I put that post down in there a good two feet. And you know what that frost did to that deck? It just started working it up and down every year until the thing looked like, who put that in? you got to set this thing. You're going to build a deck. Now look. If you're going to set yourself to follow the Lord Jesus Christ, you're going to have to set your hope deep. Or you will be cast about 
tossed to and fro, as other scripture speaks about, with various doctrines, various whims of teachings, various uh, comments from the world and its message that's always anti-Christ, if we don't get ourselves set deep. Now, how do we do this? Because we're not talking about digging a hole with a shovel. How do we set our hope? Jot this down. It's at the very end. We read it. Your faith. Your faith. We're going to have to trust God. Now here's three things I think we're going to have to trust God for as we travel in our exile and waiting to finally get home. Here's three things I think we're going to have to trust God for. Number one, we're going to have to trust that God is sovereign. He is in control. He's been in control throughout this text, hasn't he? Who was it that caused me to be born again? God did. I didn't do it. You didn't do it. God did it. He's in control every bit of the time. He is sovereign. That's the first one. You know, the old days, old days, when we used to milk a cow on a three-legged stool, this is one of those, one of those legs. Here's the second leg. God is wise. He knows what he's doing. He knows what he's doing. But don't we often think, God, what are you doing? Right? But no, this time you made a mistake. No, God's wise. He knows exactly what he's doing. Boy, that's hard. That's hard when we're suffering. Um, one more. God is good. That's the three-legged stool to sit on with your hope. You're going to set hope. You're going to have to have faith in those three things. Oh, there's others to be sure, but there's three basic ones. Shall I say it again? Sovereignty of God, the wisdom of God, and the goodness of God. Does he love me? How many times do you say to, your, say to the Lord throughout the day, huh? Lord, what did I do? What are you mad at me today? Why is my day so upside down? What are we struggling with? Is God good? Does he love me? Does he care about me? What do we say when, God, it can't be this time. I think you, you did something without really all the information you should have had. No, God is wise. God, I know you love me, and I know you're wise, but hey, nobody can be in control of everything. That's what we say sometimes. Right? But listen, he is. And if you will anchor, if you will anchor yourself into these three truths, then you will have hope in the midst of a storm. Because you will stand in that storm with the breakers busting all about you and the, and, and, and the thunder coming and clapping. You will stand there knowing God is in control right now of my life, of this incident, of this, of this trial and time. And God is wise. And God is good. And if you'll say those things, believing with faith, you will stand in the storm. So may I ask you tonight, if you're struggling with some despair, some, some wrestling with God, have you wrestled with those three things? If, here's, here's, let me give you a suggestion. The book of Habakkuk, right? That's how I pronounce it heard various pronunciations. Habakkuk, three chapters long. You know what he's doing in the first chapter, second chapter, most of chapter three? Struggling with God. What's he do? 
At the very end, he writes the most poetic, powerful text there is in Habakkuk 3. Have you read it lately? I would put it the second most powerful worship words in the Bible, where he just surrenders to God. I'll let you look that up later. Habakkuk 3, the very end of it. What's another example? Who else walked with God through great trial, yet with strong hope? Who, who else comes to your mind? Another one that comes to my mind is Joseph. You want to just turn with me a minute? Genesis chapter 40, Joseph. This guy is amazing. Okay, uh, Genesis 40. Verse 8. <clears throat> now let me give you the context here with Joseph. You remember that Joseph got so blessed by Jacob. Yeah, probably a lot of favoritism going on there, whatever. And you know what the brothers did? You remember, they sold him into slavery. So he went from uh, the great child of Jacob into slavery. Up, down. And he ends up in the household of Potiphar. You remember the story. And, and, and he gets promoted again. Back up we go. Hey, life is great. I'm the number one guy in Potiphar's house. And then you know what happened with Potiphar's wife. And then what happened? Back down we go again into jail. Now he's rotten in jail. And here comes, here comes these, uh, these two guys wanting him to uh, interpret a dream. Interpret a dream. They've both had a dream. You know the story. What astounds me is that God gave Joseph a dream years before this of his brothers and even his dad bowing down to him. Remember that? He believed the word of God. And I can show that to you in verse 8. Joseph said to them, Do not interpretations belong to God. Please tell them to me. Now that little verse right there just so impressed me recently that even in the midst of all these struggles, Joseph still believed that God was the God who interpreted dreams. Meaning, he knew the day would come, even though at this point in his life he's rotting in a jail. There was times they, they literally, they've seen these, they found some of these these. these prisons down on the ground in Egypt, where they chained them by the neck right there. And that's where you stood, I don't know how long, hours at a time. That's what Joseph stood in. And yet he trusted and believed that the day would come, because God said so, that he would be um, lifted up. He believed God, even though this was the roller coaster he went through. Are you going through a roller coaster in your life? Some of you, you know, maybe, you're, you're, maybe, maybe you haven't gone down yet. Some of you young people don't know what I mean yet. I'm not a prophet, but let me tell you something. You will. You will. And the gray heads in here are going, yeah. Not because God's not good, but because God will bring to us these seasons of trials to trust him. And when we trust him during seasons of trial, that's the most powerful times of worship in your life. Come on now. All of us can worship God when life is easy and good. 
But will you worship him when life doesn't make any sense and it's really painful and you've lost a great loss? Will you still love him? Okay. Back to First Peter. Set your hope. Set your hope. In the resurrecting power of Jesus Christ who can raise the dead to life. And that ought to be our prayer. Now specifically, <clears throat> set your hope on what? I, I think it's really important you see this. Verse 13. I don't think we'll get all through all three tonight. That's fine. Set your hope on what? Fully, fully, Peter says fully, not just partially, but fully, on what? On the grace of God. Would you just note that a minute? What do, we faith, what do we set our hope on? The grace of God. We don't set our hope on, on what we've been doing to please God. Lord, uh, I, I know you like me today because I read my Bible and I had prayer time. And so, Lord, I, I know you like me today and I turned away from that sin and that sin. I didn't do that. I could have got mad there, but I didn't. You know, it's none of that. None of that. Cross it out. Throw it out. Set your hope on the grace of God. And we're going to need to remember that when we get to the third command, which I'll hasten to do. Here we go. All right. Command number two. Are you ready for this one? Be holy. Holiness is not the way to Jesus Christ. Jesus Christ is the way to holiness. That's what we just learned by grace. The gift of God. His kindness to us when we don't deserve it at all. This is what calls us, calls us now to be holy. Turn with me to 1 Peter 2, verse 9. But you are a chosen race, a royal priesthood, a holy nation, a people for his own possession, that you may proclaim the excellencies of him who called you out of darkness into his marvelous light. Now listen, church, we are losing our testimony in this world because we are not a holy people. We, we, we don't have much testimony when we're not holy. We, we don't have much testimony when we're not hopeful either, first command. But the second one, without holiness, not only won't you see the Lord, because it's an indicator you're not even saved. If you have no passion to kick sin and kick evil out of your life, if that's, if that's not a passion of yours, that could be indicative of a very serious spiritual problem in your heart. If you're saying okay to sin, and you're acting and talking and walking like the world, we don't have any testimony. I mean, the world is already without hope, so, so then they see you without hope. What? There's nothing that's attracting them to Christ, is there? And so we're called to be holy, to be like God in all of our conduct. Verse 15, you also be holy in all your conduct because this is who we are. We are a chosen race, a royal priesthood, a holy nation, a people for his own possession. Wow. That you, here's the purpose, that you may proclaim the excellencies of him who called you out of darkness into his marvelous light. 431 times 
Not counting the word holiness, this word is found in the scriptures. Do you think it's a, <laughs> an important word? What is it that the, uh, that the angelic hosts say of him in Isaiah 6? Holy, holy, holy. How often do we see that in the book of Revelation? Holy, holy, holy. This is who God is. What does holy mean? It means it's separate. he's separate. He's different. What makes him so different? His moral purity. He is perfect in all of his, in, 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 in every distinction of his person. He's holy. And you and I are not. But here the scripture is calling us to be like God because if we're to have hope and joy and peace, we'll have it when we seek to be like God. So I just want to quickly ask you tonight because we've got to move to the third. Is there a sin you need to get out of your life? Well, let's just get to the bottom line as fast as we can. Is there? Is something got to go? In fact, as I say that right now to you, is the Spirit of God saying, yeah, let me put my finger on that one right now. You, you, are you listening to God speak right now? Is there a sin you got to let go? Maybe you've been complaining. Maybe you've been worrying. Maybe you've been looking at pornography. I, I, I don't know. What you got to get rid of there's something, isn't there? Did you lie and think you got away with it? Isn't it time to tell the truth? Did you take something that's not yours? You need to give it back. What's your thought life like? Is it, is it holy? Are you asking God every day, Father, would you help me? Would you help me be pure? You're going to stand before the Lord someday and give account of your life. Third command, fear God. Well, that is appropriate, isn't it, with what we just said? Fear God. Conduct yourselves with fear. Um, I, I like to do some carving, and I like to carve bowls. I don't turn them on a lathe, but I, I like to get a nice chunk of strange wood that's got some disease in it, lots of crazy grain, and I like to carve it out. Now, to do that, I have this uh, grinder. It's got a handle, I don't know, big old grinder. And the head on this thing, you know what it is? It's a chainsaw. You say, what? How does that work? It, it's this round, circular chainsaw. A couple of you know what I'm talking about? And I'm going to tell you what, when you turn that thing on, you better be holding on to it. Because when that thing comes on, boy, it just wants to, you know, get at it. And you get down in that wood and sawdust is flying. But you know what? The blood is going to be flying if you're not careful. I fear that thing. I love that tool. I'm fearful of that tool. I got a scar on my knee because I, I wasn't fearful enough of that chainsaw I had in my hand one day when I was cutting, down, cutting a limb over my head. Yeah, that was real smart. And you know what? Gravity took hold of that limb and took it down and hit the chainsaw and hit my knee. Boom, that happens that fast. Why? Because I was in fear in this chainsaw. When we talk about fearing God, we come into the presence of the Lord God Almighty who but can speak and create an infinite universe 
who can read our mind fully and the desires of our heart. He is here now tonight by the power of His Holy Spirit. He knows you. He knows you. He knows me better than I know me. Then you know you. He knows you. And we're to fear him. Conduct yourselves with fear. Why? What will keep me from sin? I hope tonight that you have some sense of the fear of God. If you read Romans 3, we don't have time to read it tonight. I'll just note it. Romans 3, 11 through 21. There's this long list of sin. You know the text, Romans 3. Because Romans 1, 2, 3 is about sin. Romans 3 wraps it up. And verses 11 through 21 lists a whole bunch of sin. Boom, 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 boom. What's the last one? How does Paul summarize it all? They have no fear of God. Isn't that the world we live in today? But isn't that the culture of our church today? (laughs) We ought to be reverent. Oh, kids, you know I don't mean for you to be scared of God. But I want you to fear Him because it'll keep you from sin. It'll keep you worshiping. It'll make you wise. Psalm 111.10, the beginning of wisdom is the fear of the Lord. It's a means of mercy. According to Luke 150, God's mercy is reserved for those who fear Him from generation to generation. Why, be, why fear God so that you'll be a friend of God? In Psalm 25, there's an amazing promise made to those who fear the Lord. The friendship of the Lord is for those who fear Him. And He makes known to them His covenant. So, what a great promise. For many of us, we're not walking close with the Lord because we don't fear Him. So we're not friends with Him. Do you fear him in a biblical way tonight? Again, I say to you, please hear me. I'm not asking you to leave here tonight scared of God. I just want you to leave here tonight scared of God. You know what I mean, don't you? The difference? We should tremble at his presence at least sometimes. Fear the Lord. And so we have this conclusion tonight very quickly. One minute conclusion. It's, it's been, it's been um, well, let me put it this way. The Westminster Ch- Children's Catechism asked this question. In what condition did God make man? I don't know. Maybe you know the answer. God made man in, in two conditions, the, the, the catechism says. God made man holy and happy. Adam and Eve, at their creation, were what? Holy and happy. It's it's my hope tonight that you would seek after holiness and happiness in all that that means. Now, I want to add one more H tonight, because I have to, after preaching all day with this. I hope God's made you realize the hope that you have in Christ. So may God make you a hopeful person, full of hope. May you radiate hope. Tomorrow you get back to work, may you just radiate hope. 
May God cause you to be a holy person. Holy in all that that means. So that ultimately, what? You would be happy in Jesus. Happy in Christ. Amen? Is that not your heart tonight? If you, if you had to summarize it, might you summarize it that way? Three H's. Oh God, make me hopeful. Make me holy. Make me happy. Let's pray together. Our Father, thank you for this text tonight. Thank you for these three commands. So much more could be talked about with them. Would, would you help us just think about these things in this week? Father, help us to look in the mirror and evaluate. Are, are, we, are we holy? Are we hopeful people? Father, am I happy to your glory and honor? Father, would you help us tonight with these great things? Help us to trust you in all that indeed comes into our life, for it does not come unless it first comes through your good and wise and all-sovereign hand. Thank you for your love for us. And help us, Lord, to, to be in fear of you, for you are great and glorious and mighty and awesome. And we've come tonight, Lord, to say, because of your grace extended to us, we love you. And we pray this in Jesus' name, and all of God's people said, amen. I, I see that we're going to close with the song, In Christ Alone. Did you get that sheet when you came in? I hope you did. In Christ Alone. So let's stand together, and I'll give God's blessing, and then we'll sing In Christ Alone. Let's stand together. Once again now tonight, may the Lord bless you and keep you and turn his face towards you and give you his peace right now and forevermore. Amen. Let's sing in Christ alone.